Hello and, ooh, that was way too um, rough, but <laughs> hello and welcome back to another episode of Chinna with Millie. Um, I had just came back from my mini spring break vacation or whatever you want to call it. Literally what I what I did was I, I cleaned. I just helped my aunt out and my grandmother out and I took a friend with me. And, you know, my spring break, it started off okay. I mean, but then it went very downhill, you know. You know, when you're around your family too much, sometimes um, yelling can happen, name calling or insults or whatever you want to call it. And so whenever I was um, on our way to St. Louis is where I went, we actually took a van to St. Louis. And, you know, I, I took my um, my little cousins, I believe they're my cousins, or they're my nephews, and uh, two of them, there's only two of them. And my parents went, my brother, and I brought a friend with me. And, you know, it was all nice and dandy. But, you know, I, I, I felt like I was the most emotional the whole trip going to St. Louis and sort of while I was in St. Louis. And so, I don't know. I know on, our way, on my way there, I had, like, feelings of and levels of anxiety were um, running through me. And I was mind, I wasn't majorly depressed but I felt low levels of depression and I don't know I just I feel like whenever stress comes upon me especially when I'm taking a trip I I tend to sort of check out in my brain check out of my head basically and so it's like I'm a I'm the walking dead basically and so I became I become easily irritated but not too much or I just get to the point where I, I feel depressed, but not too much to the point where it's debilitating, but it still affects how I react or communicate with people. And I don't know, I, I don't know what it is, but it's whenever I take trips is when I feel that my depression sort of oozes out of me. And I don't know if that's, I, I don't know what that's called, but it just it's just very odd. And so I, whenever we went to St. Louis, I was started off staying at my grandmother's house, but that did not go over so well. And so, I don't know. I think it's when I'm in a foreign place, even though her house is not foreign to me. But if I'm in a place that I'm not normally in, I start to feel very odd. And it's almost as if, it's almost as if I'm having like an outer body experience or whatever. And I feel uncomfortable and that uncomfortability makes me feel depressed. It's, it's my, my whole my whole body functions are very odd and I never know how to explain them. But I don't know, I, I felt like I sort of brought down the mood because I, I brought my friend with me and she was very excited because I don't think she's ever been to St. Louis, but she's been through St. Louis to Chicago. And uh, you know, I, I was a bit of a cranky butt, I guess, but you know, it wasn't for nothing. Normally emotions are not for nothing. They come from somewhere some something provoked you or something just popped in your head or whatever an experience it comes from somewhere and I think those emotions really came from stress and all of that and then whenever I was there my I had an argument with my grandmother because it's a whole story but it was stupid and then my mother took me from my grandmother's house and we stayed at my aunt's house that why we even argued there. It's just, it was too much going on at once. And, you know, and then I got called a crybaby, which I don't think 
no matter what age you are, you're never too old or too young to cry. You know, when you're under stress or when you feel unwanted or when you feel uncomfortable, it's okay to cry. No one's a crybaby because they feel vulnerable or they feel uncomfortable in a situation and they want to cry. I don't believe that anyone is ever too old or too young to be a crybaby. That's that's calling me a crybaby was invalid. And so I just I just felt uncomfortable the whole trip. And I really wanted to come home. And I, I didn't want to go too soon because, like I said, I brought a friend with me. I didn't want to ruin her trip. But I had already ruined her trip anyway because of my whole crying. It's, it was too much going on. And, and I was just too much uncomfortability going on for me. And so that was my spring break. And I told myself that I never want to go back, which I think I may stick to that because there's only so much of family you can take. And if your family is doing nothing but making you feel uncomfortable or being rude to you or yelling at you constantly, it, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's so odd. I don't live in St. Louis. Therefore, I don't know how to, how, what's normal for my family it, because what's normal there for my family in St. Louis is different from what's normal here in Oklahoma. I mean, I still get yelled at for stupid stuff here in Oklahoma. My father yells at me all the time for stupid crap. And that's why I'm so emotional. But there's no need to call me a crybaby. And, and you know what I mean? I don't know if it's just me, but I I didn't enjoy that at all. And I just felt attacked, even though maybe I wasn't harshly attacked, even though I was sort of, I, I don't know, maybe I'm making I'm making it more worse than it actually is, but it's still bad. But I feel like I'm raising the levels of bad it was compared to what it actually was. But it's just the whole trip, uh, it was horrible. And so I told myself I'm never going back to St. To Louis. Um, and I think I may stick with that because I don't know, there's only, there's only, like I said, there's only so much of family you can take. And I felt that that whole trip while I was in St. Louis, that was enough for me to call it quits. And so it's going to be a while before I return. But um, I just spent six minutes talking about whatever that was. But hello and welcome back to another episode of Chilling with Millie. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been spending a worrisome time amount of time watching Dr. Pimple Popper and RuPaul's Drag Race, and I also just recently started a new college class. I actually started it the today, the time that I'm recording this, uh, March, which is March 22nd. I just started a, a college class. Uh, environmental science is what I started. Uh, LGBTQ um, history, in which I'm very excited about. Uh, and then there is one more, but who Lord knows, I forgot what that was. I don't know. They're, they're fairly easy classes, but at the same time, they look very rough. But I went ahead and I actually started my classes early. I started environmental science early and I got a lot of my assignments done there. But um, yeah, but I'm going to be talking about um, The Green Book, which is a book I read for one of my history classes. This story is set in 1962, and it is inspired by the true story of a tour of the Deep South by African-American classical and jazz pianist Don Shirley and Italian-American, um, I think it was a, a bouncer, and his name is Frank um, Tony, uh, Tony Lip Vallelonga, who served as Don Shirley's driver and bodyguard. Um, 
but yeah, the, the movie actually, I thought the movie was pretty interesting. I, I felt that they had the perfect person play Tony and then they had the perfect person play Don. They were total opposites, but they very they complemented each other very well. Um, now, one of the very interesting points of this movie is that Mr. Jazz Pianist Don Shirley is actually a homosexual male. This information does play out in the movie when he is found to have solicited gay sex at a YMCA and he was arrested for it. Um, it wasn't because he was being, you know, a pedophile. It was because he was, um, number one, he was black, he was homosexual, and it, he was at, an, he was at a, a, you know, a public place. And so I guess... It wasn't really much accepted. So I think this was this was the sixties, nineteen sixty two, I believe, and so it wasn't exactly as a a, a normal occurrence <laughs> to be at a YMCA soliciting gay sex. But you know, but uh, whenever I had actually seen that scene in the movie, it absolutely broke my heart because Mister Don was so heartbroken, and it seemed as though he felt exposed, and it seemed like he felt that his identity was something that isolated him from the rest of the world, which is another element on top of the fact that he is black in this scandal that he had, um, which was with a Caucasian male. He was in the YMCA with a Caucasian male. It this would have ruined his career had the word that he was gay had gone out, then his career would be ruined. It It is quite a shame that many people are made to feel that they are not enough because of their identity. We we see throughout um, the news and media and just throughout the world how there are legit people who are telling other people how they should or shouldn't be because of it says this or this in whatever they're reading. It, it's easier if we just focus on ourselves. It is different if we are saying, oh, go attack that um, pedophile or go attack that racist or whatever. I mean, you shouldn't attack them. It's more of a, you know, nature will take its course and what will be done to them will be done in due time by the universe. You know what I mean? It is, it's not our responsibility to attack someone because of who they are. Now, when it comes to being a menace to society like a pedophile or a racist, then I don't know, really know what to tell you. People will do whatever they want to bring justice to the fact that they are a pedophile or a racist. So they will take it upon themselves to, you know, to humiliate them as they have humiliated other people. You know what I mean? But when it comes to being gay um, or a lesbian or a or transgender or bisexual, it is it is not the other person's uh, uh, job. Like the person who is not gay, straight or sorry, <laughs> the person who is not gay, uh, lesbian, transgender. It is not the straight person's, um, you know, uh, world or or place to say that oh that's wrong. Who you are is wrong. It is absolutely stupid and quite a shame that we still continue to see many people who are protesting against who someone is as if who that person is is affecting them in any way. Me, if I was gay, me being gay has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? You shouldn't use religion as a way to hate people or as a way to judge people. It's like what I said. I think I said this before. I believe wholeheartedly that religion has no place in politics. And, you know, Christianity has no place being the the tell-all of politics or of government or how we judge people. 
because that's the stupidest thing ever. Christianity is not the only religion out there. But if you yourself, you're religious, you should not expect for other people to hold the same values and you should not expect other people to want to follow those same values because that's not how it should go. Yes, you can try and lead people to religion. You can try to lead people to God, but don't use that as a dividing factor for why you don't like someone. Don't use that as a, fa a way to judge someone for who they are. You know what I mean? I hope I, it's making sense. But it is just, it's a shame that many people are made to feel that they are not enough, that they are not good enough, they are not worthy enough because of how they identify. People think that coming out stories and coming out celebrations or just the idea of coming out is not a big deal, but coming out is a big deal. People, you know, they've gone over history, people, there have been gay people and they may have not felt as comfortable being out because the reason why is because if they were to go out, come out as being gay or transgender or bisexual, the thing that may happen is their peers may have may have killed them, they may have been beaten up, they may have been locked up, they may have been something would have bad something bad would have happened to them. That is why it seems that it is more safer now to come out and just be open. That is because all the people from the past who have come out and who have said they are gay, they are transgender, they have all been hurt by their peers and they and some of them are no longer in existence today. That's why it is so normalized now. But then, you know, in the woodworks you still have the occasional, oh, you're gay, you're going to hell or whatever. And that's the stupidest thing ever. Because if I believe one way, I don't expect other people to believe the other way, but I do expect other people to treat people with human decency and respect. You don't judge someone based off of, oh, if they're religious or not. And you don't judge someone based off of their, if they're homosexual or transgender, because that's stupid. You know what I mean? Um, I know before, growing up, I... I've been asked, like, uh, do you ever judge people or, you know, um, you're never, because I've never been, I've never actually judged someone based off of how they are. I'm never rude to people. I never yell at people unless I am at a vulnerable state, then maybe. But it, on rare occasions, will I ever be rude to someone? Um, and the reason why is because I don't normally, I don't really think about that. Uh, when someone's being mean to me or being rude to me, sometimes I'll either, if it's more personal, then I'll either do, I'll either break down and cry or I'll cry alone in my room or something or hold it in or I'll actually forget, forget completely what happened. That's the beautiful part of my memory. My bad memory is that uh, if something were, bad would happen or someone were to call me a name or whatever, most likely I'll forget about it and then it'll just I'll just, um, you know, continue living my life. But it's it's just stupid how many people are just, to this day, are still saying, ew, you're gay, or ew, they're transgender, or we don't call them a he, they're a she, because that's how they were actually born. It doesn't, if someone tells you how they choose to identify, then it doesn't affect how, it doesn't affect you at all. If someone says, please call me, um, him, or please call me them, they, pronouns, then you shouldn't turn around and say, oh, that's a she, her. You, you know what I mean? You you don't do that to someone. You don't mis, um, what is it, mispronounce, mispronoun them or something like that. You don't misgender them. There we go. You don't misgender them because that's, that's straight up evil. 
if I'm being honest. It's evil to um, be homophobic and transphobic and say that it says this in the Bible so you, you can't be gay. It is straight up evil to do that to someone. And it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But yeah, people get killed. They get isolated from family members. They get beaten up by family members and assaulted to varying degrees because they are gay or uh, trans or any sexuality other than, other than straight, it will always be a big deal for someone to feel ready to tell those closest to them that they are gay or that they want to um, to complete their true identity by going under reassignment surgery. It is always a big deal and will never or should never be seen as less. There was another part of the movie where when Don Shirley was explaining to Tony, his driver, he was explaining to him something very emotional to him. He says, and this is a quote, I am, if I am not black enough, and if I'm not white enough, and if I'm not man enough, then tell me what am I? He says this because his identity has been so suppressed and ridiculed by those around him that he does not feel worthy and he does not, and he does not feel like his true self. Also, another thing to remember with this is he was the only black man playing the piano for a bunch of Caucasian people. So he was deemed as acceptable and worthy enough to them, but to his own people, to his own black people, he was probably looked at as being white, even though he was a black man. I know that for me growing up, I had some black friends. I had more black friends than I did now, do, than I do now. But I was always seen as being a square because I was always seen as being soft and stereotypically Caucasian. Even in middle school, uh, I did not have black friends, but instead I had a bunch of Caucasian friends. And they would even say that I was not stereotypically black or they would just slightly make fun of how I was and they would and. Because I did not overreact to things or because I was never mean or loud or outrageous, or, you know, because I never I never acted stereotypically black, I was always sort of pushed to the side by my friends. But I, I still hung out with him um, because I had I had no other friends. And if I did have other friends, it was like they would invite me to eat with them. And then it was that situation where you are not sure if they still want you around in the future. So you end up bouncing between people and you end up bouncing between groups. But it was a very odd time for me during middle school, but I made it through. Um, not only that, I grew a tolerance to people using the N-word around me or even some of the people that I hung out with around that time, they would use the N-word or as a way to call me, but it was with an A, not an ER. I, I still did not mind it, but at the same time, I did not want to be termed as a derogatory name that has been used as a means to, you know, to degrade and dehumanize Black people. But, you know, I, I I don't think I really had the guts to actually say, hey, don't call me the N-word, because I, I've always been soft, and I don't think I've ever had a need to develop a strong will, so that's why I still cry when I get yelled at. But um, anyway, I thought the movie was pretty good. But then I did more research about it, and I saw that the family of Don Shirley, <laughs> they actually did not like how the movie was because of the depiction of Don Shirley and the portrayal of the real-life events were not well-liked by the family either. Also, there were past allegations brought up about the director that there was an anti-Muslim treat, uh, treat, tweet that was brought up regarding prejudice um, that was shown by the co-writer Nick Vallelonga. So he was being, basically he's being racist and he's being uh, prejudiced. So there was a whole lot of crap going on. So 
I don't know. I like the movie. Uh, people will have other opinions about it. But whenever I read that, it sort of deterred me from 100% accepting the movie as a piece of art. Because, you know, how you... It just sometimes you hear something bad about something that you really liked. And then you're like, what the crap? I really, just when I started to like this thing, it it got ruined by this person doing something stupid. But I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. And I think this is actually one of the longest episodes I have because I talked a lot in the beginning. But here's a little piece of advice. Do not judge others based on their identity or how they choose to identify. No one is going to or no one should change because um, who they are goes against what you believe. No one is obligated to adopt any belief that goes against who they are. No one is obligated to adopt to your belief. Therefore, you should not try to, you know, push that upon them. Meaning, being gay or trans or bi should not be questioned because it goes against your Bible or your scripture. If I am being honest, religion should have no place in politics, and it should have no place in determining how someone chooses to identify as in accordance to the LGBT plus spectrum. Let people be and don't be a prejudiced prick, you know, and don't accept less than the best. This is a piece of advice for everyone. Do not accept less less than the best. Be with and be around people who make you happy, who people who share the same values, people who love people regardless of anything. Thank you for listening. Um, and here's a quote for you. You never win with violence. You only win when you maintain your dignity. That was from Mr. Don Shirley from The Green Book. Stay foxy, meus amores. Adios.